Well, good morning, and it's good to be with all of you this morning. Um, Happy New Year, as it's been said already this morning. I hope that many of you had some kind of celebration this past week, uh, bringing in the new year, whether you stayed up till midnight and actually saw the, the date change or... If you went to bed long before that, I've often cheated just by watching, you know, it's nice living on the West Coast. You can just watch the ball drop at nine and say, all right, it's New Year's and in the country. Good night. Um, so whatever you did, I hope that you enjoyed the new year and that you're off to a good start. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter two. That's where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter two. And while you're opening there, I'll ask you a question. I'm wondering, Have you ever had an epiphany? One of those moments where a light bulb just went off in your head? I I asked my family this question this week, and my dad shared kind of a funny story. He said that it wasn't any kind of deep epiphany, no great existential realization, but that he did remember one time when he was a kid. He woke up in the middle of the night and was absolutely terrified because he saw on the other end of the room the silhouette of a man leaning against the wall, and he was afraid. So he quickly closed his eyes, tried to be as still as he possibly could be, thinking that maybe he'd be safe if that man in the distance did not know that he was awake. And so he waits and waits, probably for what seemed like eternity, and then slowly opened his eyes again, only to see that the man was still there leaning against the wall. And so again, he quickly shut his eyes, and his heart was racing, and he began to to plot escape strategies. What do I do? How do I get out of here? Do I attack him? Do my parents even know there's a stranger in the house? What do I do? You know, should, should I call out? And so he just lays there a little bit longer, And over time, the middle of the night slowly turns to early morning and the light begins to enter the room. And after a few more turns of glancing and and plotting and fearing for his life, the light gets bright enough and he realizes that it is his dad's coat and hat hanging on the side of the wall. Nothing to fear. He had an epiphany. That's what that was. And so, no, it wasn't any kind of deep existential realization, no mad scientist eureka moment, but it was an epiphany nonetheless, where a light shined in and a sudden realization emerged. And in comics, moments like this are often illustrated like that light bulb right above the head, right? And that's literally what the word epiphany means. It's from the Greek epi and phino, which means to shine upon. And so epiphany is a moment where light shines on something that used to be dark and where clarity comes, where there used to be confusion or ignorance. And that is why in the history of the church, this day, the day when we remember the wise men coming to Christ, is called Epiphany. Because it's a day when a light shined from the sky to guide them through the dark of night to Jesus. And so let's read their story together here in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In the time of King Herod, 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. And when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. And so then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go to him and pay homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They left for their country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the light that you shine in the midst of our darkness. God, as we reflect on this story in these scriptures, we ask that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So historically, this day, the 6th of January, 12 days after Christmas, the church has celebrated the coming of the wise men to meet Jesus. And so the question is, who are these people who come looking for Jesus? Well, what we just read in Matthew called them wise men, but other translations call them magi. And still, furthermore, we have songs that call them kings. So who are these guys? And the short answer is we don't necessarily know. The Greek word magi could mean a wise man or a priest uh, or perhaps some kind of royal official. And we call them kings because the Psalms and the prophets speak of kings coming from around the world to worship or pay homage to God's anointed one, who is the king of kings. And we see that fulfilled here in this story. So whoever they are, what we do know is that they were from the east. They came from another land. They were not Jews, but they had traveled far away to honor this newborn king of the Jews. And that's the question that they came asking. In verse 2, they say, where is the child who has been born, the king of the Jews? 
They say, we've observed his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. And that's the question that I want all of us to reflect on together here this morning. Where is the one that we've come to honor? Or perhaps, where is the one worthy of our worship? Because you see, I think just like these wise men, there's a question that burns deep inside of our hearts and in every person. This question, where is the one who's worthy of my worship? Humanity was created as worshipers. Everyone, no matter who you are or what your worldview, every person was created as a worshiper at their core. Everyone worships something. Everyone goes somewhere to worship. Some may go to church. Some may go to work. Some go to school, some to the gym, some go to the mall, and some just go to the mirror. But everyone goes somewhere to worship. And so, if we're honest, I think that many of us live our lives with that burning question, where is the one worthy of my worship? And we search from one place to another, devoting our life to various things, and we're just hoping that in one of these places, we might experience some kind of epiphany, some kind of moment where the divine breaks through and shines in on us. And in that sense, I think that anyone who is seeking or searching or on the way finds themselves in the company of these wise men. And so I want to look at their story here and trace their journey so that we might find our own light to guide us to the one who is worthy of our worshiping hearts. And so the first light that guides the wise men on the way is the light of the star. And I think that's where many of us begin as well. We begin with what we see and what we experience. We begin with the things that are right in front of us. Many of us have probably been moved to worship by the majestic beauty of snow-capped mountains or white dusted evergreens, or perhaps by the wonder of a night sky where you can actually see the universe glowing around you. Creation is a reliable messenger of God. As it says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. And so many of us were first moved to worship by what we've seen and experienced in creation. But I think also some of us are moved by what we've experienced in life. Sometimes our faith is shaped most by being pushed to our limits Some of us have been brought through painful challenges or even excruciating grief. And just like the wise men, we don't see the light of the stars until we're stranded outside in the dark. And so we seek after the light in the midst of the dark in our time of need, and we reach toward God, searching for him. And so the wise men's journey began by the light of the star. But the light of that star was not enough on its own. 
Where did it bring them first? They went to Jerusalem, and they met with King Herod. And this makes sense, doesn't it? Where are you going to go if you're in search of a king? They go to the capital city, and they go to the palace, right? But the way of God doesn't always make sense like that. When he came to earth, he wasn't born in a palace, but in a stable. He didn't stay in a royal bed, but rather in a manger. The way of God doesn't always make sense. And the light of a star isn't always quite enough to lead us to him. So the second light that guides the wise men is the light of Scripture. Let's look at the story. Herod is alarmed by the news from the wise men, and he calls who? The chief priests and the scribes to him. And he says, where does it say this king is supposed to be born? And so they search the scriptures and find that a ruler shall come from Bethlehem. They point to Micah chapter 5 is what they read. And so Herod begins to come up with his own plot, and he shares this with the wise men. And they continue on their journey. The light of the star wasn't enough. They also needed the light of Scripture to guide them to God. So creation is a reliable messenger. But we also need the Word of God. We need His holy revelation in the Scriptures to guide us to Him. So yes, Psalm 19 does begin with the heavens declare the glory of God. But if you keep reading that psalm, it goes on to say the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And there's another psalm that sings to God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And so in our journey toward God, our quest to answer that question, where is the one worthy of my worship? The light of creation is a valid place to begin, but we also need the light of Scripture to bring further clarity to what we see and what we experience. And hear that. I want to be very clear The two work in concert with one another, not against one another. It's not an either or, the creation or scripture. It's both and. Both of these things work together. After the wise men learn from scripture that the place they need to go is Bethlehem, if you keep reading, they continue on their way and also continue by the light of the star. In verse 9, it says, When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen. And so the revelation of creation and the revelation of Scripture do not contradict one another, but rather inform one another, each bringing further clarity to the other. Both of them are guides on our journey as we search for the one whom our hearts desire to worship. But neither one of them is the one whom our hearts worship. They are lights for the journey, 
but neither one of these is the true light. So after their long journey through the dark, in verse 10 it says, when they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and they worshiped him. They knelt down and worshiped him. They have finally found the one who they have been searching for. By the light of the star and by the light of scripture, they have finally found the true light who is Christ. And they bow down and they worship. And this moment is the real epiphany moment because the light of Christ is shining on them. As the wise men bow down before Jesus, something becomes really clear. As these three strangers from other places, other lands, three Gentiles, right, bow down, it's clear that Jesus is not only the king of the Jews, but truly the king of all. He is not just the light of Israel. He is the light of the world. This is a word both for those who know God and for those who are searching for him. I think for those who know God, it begins to send them out to share this news with others. That this light is not just for us, right, to keep under a bushel. No. But to shine on for others. And for those who are searching for God, it is a word that God is available that God can be found. He is the one worthy of worship. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is the good news of this epiphany story. The light of the world shines on all who have walked in darkness. So the question I have is how do we respond to this story of Epiphany. This realization that Christ is the king and the light to all. And I think we have a few examples here in this story. We could respond like Herod, right? We could respond with paranoia and with pride because the moment that he learned there might be another king, he was afraid and he did whatever he could to keep himself on the throne. And I think we can have the same response sometimes, if we're honest. After all, learning that Christ is king means that we are not. If Christ is the ruler, that means that we're not in charge. That means that we may not have all the answers. And so we can become afraid, we can become defensive, and we can do whatever it takes to keep ourselves on the throne of our own life. Or, another example, we could respond like the chief priests and the scribes. They knew the scriptures, right? They knew the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, and yet where were they? Comfortably set in Jerusalem. Happy with their knowledge of the scriptures, but doing nothing about it. In John 5, Jesus has an interaction with some people 
quite like this. He says to them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and yet it is they that testify about me, and you refuse to come to me so that you might have life. May we not be like the scribes and the chief priests, because we run the risk of that very same thing. We're church people. We know the scriptures. We have Bible studies. We may even have little epiphanies in our minds in the midst of those Bible studies. And yet, our hearts are not moved toward Jesus. And our lives are not moved toward action. And so this is why at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, just a few chapters after the story we've read here, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man. And indeed, that's how the wise men responded in this story. They followed the light of the star, they heeded the words of Scripture, and ultimately, they found themselves at the feet of Jesus, the Messiah, the true light of the world, where they worshipped him and gave him gifts. And so as we go from here today and continue into this new year, I have three challenges for you. As we consider the light of the star, the light of the scriptures, and the light of Christ himself, I have three challenges for you, and they are these. Watch, read, and pray. Watch, read, and pray. By watch, I mean pay attention. Pay attention to the world around you, and also pay attention to the world within you. Take in the beauty of creation and take stock of the state of your heart. Like the wise men, may we keep watch for the star that might guide the way. But don't stop there, right? Don't only look to creation, but also to the truth of Scripture. And so take time each day to read to meditate, and to reflect on these words of truth. Let them bring clarity, right, to the world around you and also to your own heart. But again, don't stop there. Ultimately, let them move you to Jesus. As you watch creation live life, and as you read the scriptures, may you ultimately be moved to Jesus in prayer and in worship. With the wise men, may we bring the gift of our own selves to Christ, who is the King of all. And as we do this, may we experience our own epiphany as the light of Christ shines on us. May it be so this year. Amen.